praise God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. How's everybody doing? Alrighty then. Jesus. Thank you for another day of glory. Hallelujah. It's another teaching on how to succeed at strife. Oh, no. How to succeed at life. And uh, the promise in the Word of God is that if you get into the Word of God, you will succeed in this life and in the life to come. But if you misunderstand it, you might murder midgets. That is correct. <laughs> get into Leviticus without the Holy Ghost and the blood of Jesus, and it's a mess. Killing people with tattoos and stuff. So it's going to require some wisdom. That's why we got the scripture in the New Testament that says, The Old Testament is for wisdom. You know what that means? Put the blood through it. What's the fulfillment of Moses? Jesus, as the sacrificial lamb, through the whole Old Testament sacrificial system. That gets you right into heaven. And you don't have to waste time with the leaven. What's new, Rebecca? I hired this cat to take notes for me. <laughs> and uh, so far... <laughs> this is a priest to God. She really is. Every time the glory... She knows when it's time to go live, she'll come over here and be like, it's my time to shine. <laughs> <laughs> I know. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, so uh, she's just sniffing the notes. That's a good idea. <sighs> Tasting the notes. Staring at the notes, enjoying how good it feels in that wraparound presence. She that came for the animal sacrifice. Yeah. I thought she came from the heavenly catnip. Yeah. Well, it's good. The stinker sacrifice. Oh, no, don't the speak that one. The stinker don't. offering. No, no, no. <laughs> Clean, <laughs> clean and unclean. <laughs> Glory. Mm. Well, we got a new, new setup here today. Uh, those other microphones were picking up all kinds of sounds that we didn't want to pick up. And so we got the same microphones as Brother Shadrach and RLM Africa. Matching. And uh, should be a pretty significant upgrade for the vocal quality of the show. We're excited about that. Last weekend was a really incredible time of going deep into the Torah of Moses through Jesus Christ. And the Spirit keeps highlighting to me Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, and Deuteronomy. And the perspective is through the New Covenant, which requires a whole lot of wisdom. Because when you read the Torah of Moses, with the Lamb of God established in you, with the whole Gospel of John basically fortified in your spirit so you understand the sacrificial system fulfilled in Messiah, it's a completely different word. It becomes, I think, so far in my walk with Christ, the deepest experience thus far. The severity towards sin is there. The Bible says, knowing not just the kindness of the Lord, but also the severity it is written. Well, there's not much severity in the New Testament. That's why we have a lot of pansy Christians everywhere that are not into the severity 
of the wrath of the Lamb and the, the harder things of the Bible, even in the New Covenant perspective, embracing Torah through Jesus Christ as a punishment and a demolishing of the sinful nature, which is the human nature. I believe that the Old Testament and the books of Moses through Jesus Christ can demolish the human being out of the temple for God the Father to indwell it. I believe you can't be an overcomer unless you fulfill the law. Jesus Christ said, I have not come to do away with the law. This is quintessential in this time in order to punish Satan. Until the human being is driven out of the temple and God the Father is formed in the temple, there will be no punishment of the fallen angels. Which means with just external Christianity and grace abounding, you'll be under devils another million years. Until there's a transformation on the inside into the Garden of Eden standard, which is the fullness of the Word of God that He spoke in the beginning to create Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, until that be realized in us through the whole Word of God. That's why the Old Testament says, Heaven and earth pass away, but my Word remains forever. And Jesus Christ, Revelation 22, I am the beginning and the end. What's the beginning? I am the first and I am the last. I believe that's Revelation 22, 13. It means I am the Old Testament and I am the New Testament. Once we have the fulfillment of the Old Testament, which is most of the prophecies of Messiah, were for the second coming in the Old Testament. The majority of the prophetic verses of the prophets were not fulfilled in the first coming of Jesus, but in the second coming. The second coming, he comes like a lion. He comes with wrath. He comes to demolish Satan and his angels permanently from creation, from all dimensions, so that there's no more demons on the earth. The second coming of Jesus Christ is the restoration of all things, that there is no more spirits of wickedness and lust and perversion and sickness and poverty and religion anywhere to be found in the earth. Now, I know all of you are wrestling them in yourselves right now because when you conquer them in yourselves as the temple which is where the sacrifice is killed you will conquer them automatically through angel armies on the outside of your bodies once it's dealt with in your inner man inside your bodies that's why people say oh it's so hard because you are bringing permanent destruction to the fall of the angels when your sins are permanently destroyed in your inner man Devils get permanently bound in everlasting chains in your outer man. Oh yeah, quick note on that for our local warriors and also for those of you who are advancing the kingdom online from home. Uh, when those things come out and when those things are dealt with, please command them to be bound in chains and thrown into the lake of fire. I wish I'd known that sooner. Um, there are all kinds of future problems you can avoid for yourself and for your loved ones and for others in the body of Christ. As you're rising and learning righteousness, you are bringing upon that judgment, that time of judgment. You're advancing that judgment upon the demons and the fallen angels. So that's that day that we're bringing, the full light of day of the morning star rising within you. 
and uh, I had I had made a mistake uh, a while back, uh, just in ignorance, not understanding, you know, our authority, not understanding, you know, truly the time we're in, and it caused a good friend of mine a lot of problems when I dealt with something that was cosmic, uh, one of those in between the cosmic and um, terrestrial realm spirits. And so when I had finished dealing with that in my own soul, right, because as you rise, it's all within. Anything that you wrestle with, you're going to deal with it. It'll pass through your soul. That's the intimacy of wrestling with the enemy in hand-to-hand -hand combat. It's the most intimate form of combat. It's not just like, you know, there's the sniper rifle, right? But when you're wrestling in the high places, as it's written in the New Testament, it can get a little bit messy, and so you want to keep them, right, when people are wrestling, when they're at neutral, you want to be at least at neutral, which is, what is that neutral in wrestling? One person doesn't have the advantage over the other one. You never want to find yourself in a situation where you're isolated and they have an advantage over you. That's why unity is so important. Band yourself together, connect with the body of Christ, connect with the warriors. If you're really struggling, reach out for help, send a text message to one of your friends, you know, maybe post something. Uh, and as you get stronger, right, you're building up your spiritual man, your inner man. That's going to give you the power of the Holy Spirit formed within you, because it's Christ being formed within you, at the sacrifice of the self-nature. And so as you grow your spirit, and you grow up into that maturity, you're going to get stronger. That's one of the words we had this last week was, get stronger, get stronger. And it comes to these pivotal moments where the things that you face in your walk, there are certain things that you have to face. And God will provide everything that you need, but you need to be obedient. Because if God is saying, get stronger, or make sure you connect with the others, make sure you hold up the shield. It's not just for, you know, fun and games. We can have fun and games, but it's not fun and games when we don't obey, when we don't listen to the orders, because those aren't just, you know, for kicks. That's to protect you and to protect your loved ones. So you have to rise and become that mighty warrior. The path is laid out before you. You've got the tools. Now keep growing your inner man. How much more serious would you take your walk with Christ and the building up of your inner man to become a mighty warrior when you begin to realize the invisible reality you're already in the midst of a war. It's already, you know, crazy times in the cosmos and on the earth. So when you get a specific instruction, it's actually crucial that you obey that instruction and there might be you know grace saying you know oh grace grace and i get another chance obey the first time and you'll you'll have minimum damage obey the first time and you'll have minimal loss and when it comes to uh, your health your safety your family's health and safety all the things that are working in the natural realm are empowered by the invisible realm. So when something comes up as an enemy, 
if there is an area where there is a lack of obedience, as in God has specifically warned or given an instruction, and we fail to listen, that's where we set ourselves up for failure. But we want you to be set up for success. That's why it's no problem to continually remind ourselves of the things that we've already heard in that timely season and in a way that we can be sparked to our remembrance, oh yeah, this is what I'm supposed to be doing. Because as many of you already know, or you might have realized, half the battle is when you wake up the next day, get back on the on your feet and hit the ground running. Well, I'm soaking. Well, you know, hit the ground soaking. Whatever it is that God has made clear to you, and that day prior, you're like, oh, we had breakthrough, we had clarity, I got my instructions, I know what I'm supposed to be doing. You may have noticed by now that one of the main things is for people to forget. Did God really say that? Or what am I supposed to be doing, you know? And you notice it's a, it's a common theme. It's something that when you wake up every morning, you get into the Word, you get into prayer, you quiet your soul so that you can hear those clear instructions. Now, when you get an instruction, I encourage you, write it down. Because in that moment of clarity, when you've just gotten a prophetic word or you were in the word or a sign and a wonder, a confirmation came and you know what you're supposed to do, write it down and put it somewhere that you can easily access it or find it. And when you do that continually, that's how instead of just trying to get back to where I was a week ago, two weeks ago, a few years ago, or that one time I had a high moment, that's kind of how you, you continually mark out your progress and you're continually checking in with God, with your angels, and with the warriors that you're signed up to be with. So that everyone, oh yeah, okay, confirmation, okay, they're seeing the same thing. Oh, we got the warning over here. If there's a watchman on the wall in their shift of prayer, and they give, they sound the alarm, what does that do? What does that mean to you? There's a company, there's a, there are a few of us that when there is an event in the spiritual realm, there's not a lot, there's not many, but there are a few. And we all watch and pray in shifts. It's not something that we text and schedule. But if you look at the life schedules, how God has it sovereignly, there is a 24-7 watch of prayer around RLM. We need more prayer watchmen, warriors, women of the watch. Because as it is right now, that watch is spread so thin. I've got a few locations on my phone to tell me what time it is in certain cities around the world. And I look and see when the people wake up and go to bed. And I know I can count on one hand how many people we have watching and praying right now. And they're mighty. I'm so thankful. For those of you who do that, I am so thankful for you. These are the kind of people, if I'm at my wit's end and I need just a time to kind of 
rest a little bit from the front lines. And they and I ask them to cover that time for me. It is completely covered. And it is like night and day difference. So I want to encourage you, if you're not sure what your role is in the body of Christ, in Red Letter Ministries, as a part of the tribe, I would encourage you to pray. And if you're one of those, you're afraid that I don't want to pray wrong things, I don't, open up your Bible, get in the Psalms. And pray the scriptures. Pray the scriptures. That's And that's how you're going to learn. You can always decree those Psalms, those triumphant victory, those war Psalms. Pray it over yourself, over the family, and over RLM. So I want to encourage you guys to join in the fight. And you know, I was seeing uh, like the Mandalorian when uh, Din Grogu <laughs> is putting a force field around, uh, you know, the Bo three Katan of Bo-Katan and Din Djarin, and protecting them from the shuttle crashing in in the the ground. And that's what prayer really looks like in the spirit. It's yeah. like a force field. It's a shield of faith. And so. When you get used to practicing the presence of God and manifesting that force field around you, that's how you learn how to pray, that you won't let it deteriorate. And so it says, like watchmen, you're watching, and not just with your natural eyes, but with your spiritual eyes, the quality of the light of the atmosphere of your spirit, soul, and body, and with the company and the tribe God has assigned you to. So the assignment of tribes is, I mean, if you read the Torah of Moses, it's hundreds and even probably thousands of verses about the assignment, the inheritance, the allotment, the numbering, and the order of families and tribes of the entire nation. And God does that today in the New Testament as well. He has all kinds of tribes. Book of Revelation, there's 12 tribes in the eternal perfect new covenant and one nation Israel so the Old Testament was a taste of what eternity is going to be like and I'm telling you that so that you can protect the tribe that you're assigned to by God the Father and you can only do that if you're accustomed to a certain atmosphere and quality of light and life in your own life so that's why you get to develop a prayer life the disciples didn't ask Jesus to teach them how to preach Matthew 6, he says, teach us how to pray, which means teach us how to have an atmosphere like a shield around us or an orb or a mansion. That's what the mansions of the Father's house are. It's a dwelling place and a habitation of God's light to protect them from darkness, protect them from the evil one. And so you get accustomed to a certain measurement or standard or glory in your life and prayer without ceasing is maintaining that standard of light in your spirit, soul, and body. And your spirit's ability to produce oil as wise virgins is to keep the oil burning in your spirit which causes the light or the smoke of his glory to fill and protect the soul. Without the anointing and the light of the oil of Messiah, there is no protection. Nothing breaks wickedness in Scripture except the anointing or light. And it has to stay burning. The Bible commands that the altar stay on fire. That represents your spirit always producing the light of Jesus Christ and God the Father 
and the Holy Spirit from your hearts. That's what prayer is. Prayer is the most important thing. Prayer is the presence of God that you grow in as a spirit being, as a new creature. A new creature is a spirit being. You're learning how to practice prayer, practice His presence constantly, and maintain different standards of God's light all the time. So you sleep in the light. You walk in the light. You work in the light. Notice scripture says when God created man and woman in the fullness of the Father's light, Genesis 2.15, the Lord God took the man and placed him in the Garden of Eden to work it and wash, watch over it. The commandment in the beginning was to work it and watch over it, which is pray. Watching over it, or watchmen, or watchers, <laughs> the arch, or the ark of the covenant, the mercy seat of the cherubim, is to be a place of watchfulness. How can we watch, how can we pray, unless we have the standard of the cherubim of the glory in our lives, which is prayer. So, we pray until the presence becomes our standard and then we grow in the presence. That's why it says realizing the glory causes you to go from glory to glory. But most Christians don't know how to maintain the glory burning fire of his presence all the time, which means they haven't yet learned to produce oil, which means there's not yet wisdom in Christianity. Wisdom is the ability of the wise virgins to maintain the oil in order to go into the bridegroom's chambers, which is a place of maturity. God wants all of you to maintain a certain measure of oil, burning, fire, and light in your spirit, in your soul, in your mind, in your body, in your family, and in your tribe. And once, you, once you're proficient in that, you'll mature into the bridegroom's chambers through what? The wisdom of the anointing oil of God burning in the lamps of your spirit. Amen. And making that so real... And connecting that with your homework, which I'm sure you have done by now. Most of you have your homework completed. The bridegroom's chambers, that's the sun. That's Tiferet. It's an actual location on sapphire stones that we have mapped out. And if you haven't done that, you can uh, check it out on our Facebook page or download the app and get started. So There's you can a know link where in the description that says Masterclass. Yep. You can go through and you can learn, and it's so important that you know on your journey, even if you're at the very first sphere of Malkut, I'm saved, I've got this one gemstone uh, inscribed, and that's what I have. You start there, and we go up. This is an early work. But that secret place, so we're, we're transferring from the idolatry of Shekinah apart from God, we're transferring from charismatic Christianity, witchcraft, and idolatry of the glory apart from God. The things from God that, oh, the Shekinah glory and the cloud and things like that. All those things that Adam and Eve clung to in the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. When they separated from the man of life, the tree of life, Jesus Christ himself. He is those sapphire stones. So that glory emanating from sapphire stones, if you cling to that in idolatry, which is what we've largely seen in charismatic witchcraft, 
you're gonna be all over the place. You're gonna be all over the place in that back and forth, toss back and forth, every wind and wave of doctrine, that schizophrenic bipolar mental health disorder that comes along with religion, right? Because remember, rebellion and religion are both immorality. The black and the white snake, they are two heads of the same snake, which is your enemy. So whatever you're doing in all these things that you're learning and all the things you go through and what you're experiencing, we're shifting that mindset from what we thought we've known in the past about secret place and God, glory, and ooh, the feels. Well, feels are great, those will come. But if it doesn't come with stability, if it only comes with chaos and an increase of confusion about your life and what's going on and where you're going with things, you have to reassess the situation. Oh, the bridegroom's chamber is this and that and yada him and I'm just sick of hearing it. I don't want to hear it. Are you on sapphire stones or not on sapphire stones? Because bridegroom's chamber is tiferet. Until you get into the sun, you've never actually experienced the bridegroom's chambers. You've most likely only experienced the black sun or the stolen glory coming off of the open portal of the believers who truly believe. Right? The, the, the shadows, the shells. And so what we're coming out of is extreme darkness in this perverse generation. And even those things that are the best of what we think that we've had in Christianity, it's so low. It's so low that if you ask most people who are just what we consider the best of Christianity right now, what is the obsession? It's with Shekinah. And you might say, well, that's not a bad thing. Well, Adam and Eve clinging to the Shekinah, knowledge of good and evil, apart from Christ, is what got us kicked out in the first place. So do you see how that can never solve the problem, always chasing after the Shekinah glory, chasing after the glory clouds, chasing after the glory manifestations? Devils are called angels of Shekinah that deceive in Scripture. Yep. So people that are about the glory and don't really have the God-inside-mindedness with Christ are the reprobate workers of iniquity of the gospel. And that's exactly where we're at in the earth right now in the Laodicean church. You even have a zeal for Shekinah, a zeal for glory, but if it's not about producing the person Jesus in the human spirit, it's anti-Christ. Jesus said to those people they were going to go to hell for eternity, but all they sought was the glory in signs and wonders. Think about that for a second. So God's priority is real different, honestly, than a lot of the zeal of the charismatic church. God's priority is the formation of himself in the spirit of men and women in the temple. That's everything. That's the only thing God's interested in. It's called Father. Fathering. God, his name in the New Testament is Father, which means his job is fathering your spirit in that body you're in right now. That's top priority. Every day of your life is God fathering you. 
We like to make it about other things, works. We even make it about sacrifices, and we got all kinds of stuff going on in our head, how much time we spend in the Bible. That stuff will be a byproduct of being fathered. Mm -hmm. Very simple. <laughs> fathered or not fathered is the principle of the New Testament bastard, reprobate, religious people versus sons and daughters of the living God. And it's defined as a function upon your spirit within you. So if you can see the new covenant as the function of God developing your inner man, you can keep the focus on Jesus, the author and perfecter of your faith. You can keep the focus on being a child and a student. Most people don't have that, do they? Most of them are filled with pride and reject being fathered because they themselves have become the Father. They themselves have become God and full of theology, doctrines, teachings in their head. They're carnal. They're antichrist. If you can just focus on being a spiritual child, then God can father you and develop you every day, and every day will be consecutively the best day of your life. Yeah, and just, you know, talk to the nanny angels, your nanny angels looking over you. <laughs> they plan out my whole day. That's true. You ever wonder what you should be doing? You ever wake up and just wonder, oh man, what should I be doing? You know, well, you go to work, you have your job, you have those things. But what about when you get up before you're getting ready? How do you know what time to wake up? How do you know what time to go to bed? Do you just choose what you feel like? I mean, that's probably how most people live their lives. And most people probably want their own time to do what they feel like doing. But it's much more enjoyable to do what he feels like doing. The presence of God will constantly influence your spirit to make right decisions. God is the spirit of wisdom. That's the spirit of Hakma, which is the Hebrew word wisdom. One of the seven spirits of God, wisdom. God is ha. wisdom. Jesus Christ has made wisdom unto us. The father of wisdom is the constant infusion of your inner man in what to do with your days because you'll be judged according to the time spent in those bodies. Why? Because God is constantly influencing your spirit to do the right thing in those bodies so you have great rewards. God longs to reward his children for righteousness, right doing. He wants to display you as his sons and daughters once you learn how to yield to his presence within your spirit through prayer. Then you will display him constantly everywhere you go because he'll be your God, which means he'll be your spiritual influence instead of demons. Mm -hmm. You still rarely have even a Christian people that are not constantly demonically influenced in their decision making. That's why so few bring sacrifice. So few have even made themselves the sacrifice. So few work for the Lord and even understand and are operating in true New Covenant Christianity. It's mostly just knowledge in the head right now out here with some external giftings, some irrevocable giftings, some, some teaching and discipleship in the charismatic stuff. But as far as the Father fathering the inner man into maturity, truth is, we haven't seen it yet. 
nobody knows what it looks like and that's why they don't accept it when it comes just like they didn't accept Jesus Christ when he came because it didn't look like anything they've been studying or learning from their teachers because mm-hmm, he said the kingdom does not come with signs and wonders oh yeah and the Holy Spirit wanted he, uh, he's telling me to talk to you about the wheels he wants you to lay hold of the wheels of government and uh yeah, this, what Brandon was talking about just a little bit ago, the orbs and the shield, the protection, uh, this has to do with the chariots. And what the Spirit was saying was uh, the fivefold. You start walking into the maturity of the fivefold. You go for those gifts, go for prophecy. All the fivefold, five smooth stones. Five smooth stones. How many times have you heard that, David? Five smooth stones, fivefold ministry. Take out Goliath. Okay, yeah, yeah, we know, we know. But look at your chariot. That fivefold, harnessing those five senses, those five smooth stones, in constant orbit around you. You start off with your training wheel. We're going to call it your training wheel. This is your training wheel. The little baby Ophanim type. You know, we're like, maybe you got one stone, okay? Do you see it? The golden wheel goes around like that. You see it down there, okay? And then it spins, and it brings up, okay? There's, now we have two stones out of the, you're, work, you're walking in two out of the fivefold. And do you see how at the time you need it, it switches, and it brings it, you know, can you lay hold of that wheel? What is it, the government of the fivefold? It's fivefold governing the senses first you learn that this is your you know this is our uh foundling training wheel ophanim glory it's your sight you learn how to see with what you have and maybe oh now you have three you're walking in three out of the fivefold and then four and then regardless of your calling and office everyone can walk in five smooth stones You've got a chariot that fits those, at least. That's what you start off in. That's your train. This is your training wheel. <laughs> I'm in my training wheel. Don't bother me today. <laughs> I'm learning how to ride. <laughs> got the big wheel, Dad. <laughs> Gonna take my big wheel trike for a ride around the block. So nobody give me any problems today. Not having it. Got my juice box, and I'm choking the ghost, and can't nobody tell me no. And do not forbid speaking in tongues. Okay, so there you go. Now you're walking in five out of five smooth stones. And you got, you're practicing, when you need the next one, you practice using them. How to operate in that Ophanim wheel. You see that? That chariot, you use that to go up. The five fold is for going into maturity. So you develop those five smooth stones, right? By having the heart of David. A child, a man, a man-child after God's own heart. But what did David say? I went back and I looked at that scripture today. He didn't just get five smooth stones. What was the other thing? Staff. You're going to need five smooth stones and a staff. What does that represent? Cosmic righteousness. The Lamed. The sapphire rod of righteousness. So when you get the five fold going, 
That's that building of those pillars of wisdom. You work with five first. And when you get into the staff, those other two books, those other two pillars, pillars of wisdom, you receive those. Those hidden things, those mysteries of God begin to be revealed to you and they build up your spirit. So now you've got seven pillars blazing, building. You have sparking. Let's get some sparks in there, right? And when you get into righteousness, into the bridegroom's chamber, there is a wheel upgrade. The training wheel is coming off. The training wheel comes off. When you get into the sun, what are those wheels? You know all those orbs you've been seeing around the sun? The wheels, the orbs? Twelve stones. You go from five, with the five and the seven, make twelve. The Holy Spirit said he wants you to lay hold of the wheels of government. Those are twelve brilliant gemstones, cosmic gemstones. And now that you've had practice with that, the, the baby wheel, fivefold, you know, moving them around, working with the Holy Spirit, working with the angels, now you're doing 12. And you learn. Where do your hands, in, in your hands go? The wings that you have, the eyes that you have, the change that takes place in you. You become a spirit of righteousness. A little baby spirit cannot operate a 12 stone wheel of righteousness it's an ophanim upgrade that's why you build up build up anyone starting out can start with one stone two stones three four five and you go up but you're not going to get up if you're not walking in sanctified five senses there's a certain level of sanctification you're not going to be perfect but the angels know when you're ready so you get ready. That's the word. Get ready. Get ready because there's an ophanim upgrade. You're being called into the sun. Sound the alarm. Raise up the troops into cosmic righteousness. Let's get Gideon's 300 or 30. Because if it's a thousand fold, 30 will do just fine. You see that? Bob Jones said you'll need 27 in sonship to remove all demons from the world. Only 27. So we don't have that right now in the whole world. When we do, the prophet of God said you'll no longer have any demonic influence on planet Earth. Right. Just so you have that as a measurement system for actual righteousness. Amen. <laughs> So your ophidim wheels, spinning, activated, see it. See it, whether you see it on the screen of imagination, whether you're a full-fledged seer. And imagine yourself even now, when you step into that sun, and you start to learn, and move, and have your being in Him, which is in Torah. That is Christ. He is the Word. He is the living Word, who was, who is, and who is to come. And you watch the Ophanim and see how they do it. And you learn by watching, you feel it out, your spirit has that instinct that was, you were born to do this, you were created 
to be this. And you transform in the sun and you become a kind of creature that can do it. And next thing you know, your spirit has the ability to do more, far more than your mind could comprehend. And you use it to accomplish the will of God your Father. And what is his will? Go higher. Conquer. Take the promised land. Take it back. You can spiritually awaken to any spirit. Oprah's spirituality, they're spiritually awakened to demons. You can spiritually awaken to your own spirit and never obey God. And that's honestly what most people do when they're spiritually awakened. You need to spiritually awaken and obey the throne inside your spirit. See, the key is being a disciple of the Holy Spirit that leads you into all truth, which means somebody is obeying today's truth for years and years and years and years. A disciple is one who gets orders from the throne and obeys it with their whole heart, which is their whole spirit. That's what you do with your life. The purpose of you being created was learning how to hear, obey, know God in your spirit and serve him. The Bible says that Jesus' throne is being awakened inside your spirit through your faith, which is the renewing of your mind. The renewed mind has the ability through the born-again spirit to see Jesus' throne and serve Jesus' throne. But Jesus Christ himself said, stay in Jerusalem until you receive the spirit on high, which means you can't even begin working or serving God until your spirit is born again, cloven, cloven rest in tongues of fire, and you're serving the fire with orders from heaven. They didn't just go out and do whatever they want afterwards. Oh, I got the spirit. No, I can just go out here and start my own ministry. No, they learned how to serve God. It was about Jesus, the high priest, and Jesus' ministry, and not their own. You don't see them boasting about their own ministry, and I'm better than this person, better than that person. It's Jesus, the body of Christ, learning how to serve the high priest. Okay? You're all Jonathan. We're all Jonathan. Jesus is David. Serve Jesus. He's the priest. He's the king. You'll share in measurements of his priesthood and kingship through serving him and obeying him inside your spirit. But if your head's on the outside and you're trying to do it, you're just, it's all iniquity. It's all sin. It's all wrongdoing. It's all religion. So you first and foremost, in order to be saved, Jesus Christ said, you have to know him. So we need to really flip the charismatic church because it's nonsense. It's mostly mm -hmm. iniquity. Priority, knowing him, which is God inside minded priority. That has not been the priority. The priority has been doing works, doing miracles, doing signs and wonders. That will be a byproduct of those who follow him in spirit, in truth. Those who learn how to pray will automatically do signs and wonders effortlessly with never seeking them. See, seeking signs and wonders is sin in the Bible. Hebrews seek signs and wonders, Greeks seek knowledge. You don't seek knowledge, you eat food. 
You're not seeking information for your brain. Greeks die because of that. We seek food for our spirit. That's why they detested the manna. The manna that tasted like oil. It says the Bible, they, it tasted like fresh oil when they ate the manna. They hated it. They said in Egypt we had cucumbers. This is what the Bible says now. We had cucumbers, we had strawberries, we had carrots, we had variety, we had corn. But out here in the wilderness, all we have is a stinking manna. And they murmured and complained at the food of God, just like all y'all, at the teaching of the Word of God. This is all we get. What about all these other things? things? The New Agers and all these other heretics, they have a whole banquet of all these options we can add to ourselves and do our own thing and grow in witchcraft. God tests you with manna, which means Mm -hmm. learning how to eat the anointed bread of Mm -hmm. God. Notice Jesus said, didn't give him a variety of food. Matthew 6, teach him how to pray. Give him a variety of food. No, only manna, only bread. Because until you're faithful mm-hmm. with bread, you'll be a seeker of knowledge, which mm-hmm. is a Greek heretic. Until you chew the cud, you cannot taste of the carob tree. Hmm. If you're faithful with manna, woo-wee! They go into Zion, guys, which is the promised land, and there is a feast there. The feast is the marriage supper of the Lamb, and they're eating more than just manna. They're eating the Lamb of God. They're Mm -hmm. drinking the best wine for last, but it's only for the Mm -hmm. faithful Mm -hmm. in the manna. They chew the cud, and what what about their hooves? Cloven. So your hooves must be cloven, (laughs) and you must chew the cud. Then that tree, the archangel brought Enoch to in the past the garden of righteousness they'll take you there that's when you'll start to hear more of the mysteries not just mysteries but the secrets I know a lot of you are hungry for the secrets of God people would manifest and say well, don't you have any other resources can you just tell me about this or tell me about that no you get manna you get manna and it's going to taste like oil <laughs> yeah I think this how, there was you can grind it into cakes and deep fry it too, the Bible says. Hallelujah. Uh-huh. Cakes. <laughs> cakes. Delicious honey they cakes. They them into fried cakes. Now, check this out. I, this is why you should love manna. Because we're all about cake. Getting fried on the word. Look at this. Exodus 16.31. The people called the special food manna. It was like small white coriander seeds. Seeds of glory. And tasted like thin cakes made with honey. Oh, love honey. Honey cakes. And you know it was like raw and unfiltered honey back then. It wasn't all this, you know, plastic, plastic container. Yeah. Just delicious honey. (laughs) We love organic honey. Honey on my lips, manna. Organic, raw, unfiltered honey on the cakes. With zero figs for me on that. Thanks. I like how it was seed when you said seed that sparked up in my spirit. I think God was planting eternal Israel's seed into their hearts. Amen. He's planting the heavens into their hearts through seed as manna. I don't think you guys understand how quick the turnaround time can be on the planting uh, and the growing. I'll give you just a a quick example. Uh, One of my friends I was talking to one day this last week gave me a seed of a promise that she was speaking over for um, physical fitness for the body of Christ. And as she spoke that word, 
I was eating it all up into my spirit, right? Because we don't, we don't reason about it, or what about this, or that can't happen, or none of that. Because I know it's a spirit speaking the oracles, and that's seed. All those words are seed, so you put it in your belly. I was like, oh, we're going to plant that, we're going to plant that. Oh, you're definitely planting that. And what you do is you, your womb, as a spirit, becomes a matrix for it to, what does the matrix do? It funnels it into the earth for people, for others. First, it'll, it'll be harvested in you and then it reproduces in the others. So you're learning how to bear fruit quickly, you know, popping out babies in like one day. So the very next day, this was about uh, shortening the length of time, uh, like, a, like a fitness session that usually takes a good hour for me to do. You know, I have a trainer and they do the whole, you know, it like ends up being just right under an hour, just right up, usually about to that hour mark. And it's usually grueling anyway, you know, I, I go to the gym to die. It's like, that's what we joke about. It's like, we've arrived at, by the end, we have arrived at dead. That's how it feels. But after she spoke these words and that seed went into my womb, that next day, that entire grueling workout was able to be done in 30 minutes and under completion, total completion. So, and that's not just like, oh, wow, you're so good. It's not about that. What this is an example of is the words that I'm speaking, the words that your friends in the glory are speaking, our RLM tribe, that's seed. I mean, come on, do something with it. You know, the, the plant communities, have you ever been a part of a plant community? or like to grow plants. It's mm-hmm. one of those kind of jokes. They're like, what do we do? We just Got buy seeds. Reading. I only yeah. think about, I only buy the seeds and think about planting it. I don't actually plant it. Plant it, <laughs> grow it. You can do it just by simply believing what I'm saying to you right now. And that's just one tiny little example. <laughs> There's all kinds of stuff you can grow in there. Some of you love growing mushrooms. That's your thing. I love it. I love the mushroom growers in the glory. Mushrooms. We'll grow the, them in your beard. Grow them in, <laughs> in your beard. That's the anointing. But, so what I'm saying is, there's that, that's such a quick turnaround time. It actually shocked my senses. I'm like, wow, that grew fast. So as we're going higher, things are growing faster. And like what Brandon was talking about, you know, shield of protection and prayer, orbs and things like that. A couple years ago, I wanted to testify to this because I keep having this continual vision of it. That prayer shield, he's like, oh, what do you mean force field shield? I was driving my car after enjoying a beautiful time at the park with the Lord. As I'm driving, driving this demon-possessed person driving a minivan, you know, they're going crazy. But we have, you know, angels all around and it shields up and I'm driving and I'm praying and they swerve right over to hit my car and they bounced off of the bubble, the invisible force field around my car. They hit it and bounced off of the force field. And I saw it happen with my eyes and it was just like, wow. I believe wow. an angel saved your life. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, they probably did that a lot. <laughs> and so, but it was cool to Wrapped watch them. Prayer. Yeah, it was it was literally like that, that mm. he was talking about the Grogu bubble, like, because I, the prayer, you, you learn... Stuff will get through and reveal your weak points, too. You just grow in yeah. prayer. One thing about ascension is every elevation of spiritual ascension, which is the growing up of your inner man, is a higher state of prayer, of practicing God's presence, which means, Isaiah 4 says, it'll be a dome about you. 
It'll be a manifest mansion about you. Get out of the natural realm and carnal thinking. Get into the spiritual realm and building with living stones, with living water of the Holy Ghost. Okay? So the Word of God frames up invisible structures that are very much real. Because your spirit man is invisible, but it's more real than your natural man. Okay? So now that your spirit man's built up, it has a standard of practicing the presence of God. Every standard of building up, all the growth of your life, of your inner man, will maintain a higher state of prayer. And so those will be the elevations of ascension from glory to glory. What's glory to glory? I know how to pray better. I learned how to pray. I learned how to practice God's glory in my spirit in a higher elevation. So if people are in lower elevations, they simply do not know how to pray. 100% of the time. All you need to do is learn how to pray, and you'll walk in higher glory realms every week. Simple as that. But if you don't learn how to pray, and it's just some religious thing you got to do, i got to do, I'm just learning, doing, learning. Oh my God, it's so much. I'm just so imperfect. And you're always just focused on the wrong thing instead of learning how to pray. It'll be taskmasters, which means you'll be in Egypt. Egypt is symbolized by religion nowadays, and you're just beating yourself up for not being good enough, which means allowing the demons to punish you, because you don't yet understand the covenant. It's a covenant of prayer. Prayer is the covenant. When Jesus made disciples, he established the covenant with them by teaching them how to pray. And only through learning how to pray... When people are so Greek-minded, they say certain words. You know, we have people around here that's like, it's about the quality and the etiquette of the speech of the prayer. Man, you're lost. Make you, sure you use organic Christianity. You're in. You are so <laughs> deep in witchcraft. It's not even Christianity. Simple, simple as that. Real prayer is quality of holy, true light. True prayer is the quality of light from true Torah. Jesus is the Torah, the Word. Okay? So the quality of Torah, which is prayer in your life, the, the meditation of God's law, which is Jesus, the law of the Father, is Jesus Christ, the person. Jesus Christ is the living Torah, and the measure you can pray, Him, the Word, will be the quality of heaven in your bodies and through your bodies and into your families and into your businesses and into your cities and nations. So what we really need is a people learning true prayer, which is learning how to go from glory to glory. We've had the teaching on the outside, guys. Charismatic Pentecostals have been teaching it externally for a hundred years now. What we don't have yet is the plumbing of the inner man learning how to do it. And when you get it on the inside, the stars become your outside. When you really get it on the inside and you're actually God inside minded, the cosmic garments, celestial garments, Apostle Paul's exact words, which is star garments, becomes your clothing. That's how you get above all the time and no longer below ever again. How? Prayer. Mm-hmm. Yep, prayer and, and the word of God. So what'd you do? You learned how to pray. How to pray. And a great place to start, if you just don't know, like we said, you can open the Psalms. Okay. Pray the Psalms. Pray the Psalms. When it says Lord there, say Holy Spirit. 
And let the Holy Spirit convict you of sin, righteousness, and coming cat judgment. Bam! She had to flash her butthole on the stage at least once. All right, you had your moment. <laughs> that's what she does. You know, Animals on the altar is what it means. Yeah. This is like an altar before us, and God is burning the animals. Amen. Burning animals ministries. Uh-huh. And prayer is the fire that burns the animal, and you are the animal. The mark of the animal is in the forehead. You know what the removal of the mark of the animal in the forehead is? The tetragrammaton added as your Amen. new name. God the Father says, I will add my name to your forehead in Scripture, which means the tetragrammaton is added under your forehead. So yes. that means your name change has yad he vav he in it. Okay? Not just Jesus on the forehead. That's not what the Bible says. New Jerusalem, which is an elevation that you get to by prayer of practicing God's presence, which means your inner man building up, up, up in a way every day. And the working of God's name in the forehead, which means the deity of the Father and that ability in your mind and knowing how to do it angelically. How do you get that on your forehead? Oh wait, it has to bypass your brain. It has to surpass understanding. It's your thought life. It has to surpass. So how do you do that? This is how it works. Practically, uh, in reality, the invisible realities, this is how it works. You have a name inscribed on that gemstone that you're given at salvation. And as long as you hold on to, right, hold tight to what you have, you know, for those who haven't learned the deep secrets of Satan or, you know, you haven't, you know, tasted of the powers of the age to come and then turn back or anything like that. You just hold tight to what you have. They're good. They're in. They're going to heaven. You know, they'll die and go to heaven. That's at Malkut. That's the kingdom. He said the kingdom of heaven is within you, right? To those, those are who, who believe. That's Malkut. That's within you. That's the one you have. That's what you start with. That's what he meant when he said that. It was one of the layers. So then you go up and you get on the moon. And then you get into Hod. And then you get into Netza. And then you get, if God permits, onto advanced training and righteousness into the sun of righteousness. You get into Tiferet, the bridegroom's chambers. That place of transfiguration, that place of the portal of the twelve gemstones where your spirit becomes transfigured like the book of Enoch, the spirits of the righteous. It's not a normal spirit anymore. It's not like the normal spirit of a man. It's not a spirit of a man in there anymore. It's the spirit the of the righteous. Because learned to serve the throne within. And you become the type of creature, like we mentioned, that can man, right, man the guns, right? Twelve gemstones. Now, you start off with five river stones. You start off with five books of Torah, right? You start off with five books of Torah for your five senses to crucify them. And you're faithful with those. What are they? River stones. Smooth river stones. Mm -hmm. You're faithful to the river. You, had a, you developed the heart of David. And, you know, you, when, you're, when his brother was talking, talking smack to him, to his face, to embarrass him in front of everybody, what did he do? He turned around. And he asked the other, he asked the other people. He just let it go. Just... Let go. He turned his back and said, started, oh yeah, what's the reward for killing Goliath? Why are you, why do I think you're some... Alright, asking the next one. What's the reward? Is this the reward? 
And then, you know, Saul heard, you know, this, what David was asking, and so he calls him, tries to put a false anointing on him, a false covering, his armor, his, I, I'm not used to it, I, I can't, I can't. This is for the old age. This is church age. Turn to put fig leaves on them. I can't do this church age warfare that y'all are doing. <laughs> I mean, cowering from the enemy. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I can't do that. I'm not used to it. He said, David said, I'm used to the spirit of might that came upon me. What did it say when Samuel poured the horn of oil? Came upon him mightily. That's the spirit of might. That's the spirit that comes to rest upon when you develop the heart of David, that's the spirit of might. That gave him the power over those wild animals, or the bear would come, or a lion would come, to overpower them. He said, well, God did the same thing here and there with the wild animals. You know, how is this uncircumcised Philistine going to talk like this to the people of God? Just another animal to take Just down another with animal the slingshot. Just another animal to take down with a slingshot. That's right. <laughs> and, uh, which it was pretty crazy. I think in the verse I was looking at this morning, I'm pretty sure he took the bear involved his bare hands. So, uh, yeah, the spirit of might would come upon him. He was a little guy, but the bit, there was a big spirit of God. Yeah, the messianic anointing. Yeah, the seven, the se he, well, you get the seven fragrances, the seven spices of the anointing oil, but it doesn't manifest through the five senses until you've gone through the process. God takes you through that process. He went through that process. You're gonna go through the process. And those five river smooth stones, and then that staff, through your faithfulness and obedience to the word of God, and instead of just the rough, uncut, just smooth stones, you get that lightning, liquid, like a, like a water laser. It's like, it's like water at such a concentration of living waters of light that it literally is like cutting them into gemstones, like a laser. Of all 12 sons, of all 12, 12 tribes, he's developing all those qualities in you, and you get into the sun. Those are the, the gemstones of the priesthood of the ephod. That wheel, the wheels of government. And that's what allow you to go into the star government, starry paths, starry waters. You knew the stones in the waters below, now get to know the stars and the stones, the gemstones in the waters above. Put on the armor of light. That's what the Bible says. That means it has to come up from within you. Well, what is celestial garments? They came up from within you. Now what comes first? The morning star, which is fully God inside minded. What comes after him? All things added unto you. And you can guarantee it's Genesis chapter 1, fourth day, the stars that God said good. Exposing the Antichrist in our midst, the Torah calls the Creator's stars good in Genesis 1.16. And those stars are our solar system as steps. Jacob's stairway within. When your inner man is formed and developed through eating and digesting the word of God, the daily bread, the manna, which is Torah. Torah is manna. The word is Torah and the Torah is the daily bread. Then the steps of Jacob's ladder or that secret stairway 
of the spirit, the hidden garden within, are revealed to the renewed mind. And these steps become sapphire pavement in you. And those stars within you, once they're realized through the renewed mind, then and only then, from the inside, come into the body and the outside. And that is the conquering of death. That's exactly the prescription of how death is swallowed up in victory. So in order to do that, we're going to need a completely God-inside-minded people that are growing through eating the daily bread and learning how to pray. And then God reveals mysteries to his friends who practice his presence, who love doing his will. This is people that Psalms 110 are volunteers in the day of his power, refreshed in the river along the way as they conquer. A people that enjoy him above everything in his creation. The temptation here oftentimes is we fall in love with religious idolatry in ourselves. This is where most people miss the mark and they no longer walk with him. God says, remember your first love. That means get over yourself. You you fell in love with yourself and the anointing when it was poured on you. You know what that's called? Saul who lost his salvation. That's Saul activity. David kept going after God's heart. He wasn't in love with himself. He was in love with God. So God could always grow in him. And the proof of that, proof of that was perfect purity in his old age. Yep, with the Shulamite. The evidence is the inward transformation and continuous purity of spirit transfiguring soul, mind, and body in the divine nature. There will always be a greater holiness for those growing in the inner man. The behavior changes. Amen. So the transfiguration of your spirit is into the spirit of holiness. And what does the Bible say? The spirit of holiness is the resurrection from the dead. So it's the purity of your spirit by enjoying God, His bread, His will, His word, and the things of God, meditating in your heart day and night that you may inherit the promises, Yeshua, Jesus, which means Yahweh saves, that you may go into the land the Lord your God has given you, the land flowing with milk and honey. What does that mean? The sustenance of the constant creatorship of the Spirit, which is the divine nature of your inner man transfigured into God's exact likeness, which is the image-bearing of Adam and Eve in the beginning. Perfection. It means going back into the Garden of Eden, which is not just, oh, I'm in perfect bliss, I can lay out on my couch and not do anything. What's the commandment in Genesis? Work the Garden of Eden. Which means eternal rest is a work. Truth anyhow. Mm -hmm. (laughs) I'll read it for you right here. Everyone in heaven has a job. Genesis 2.15. The Lord God took the man and placed him. Listen, our society and culture is far from biblical promised land realities. I mean, really far. We have an idea of retirement and rest that is completely contrary to heaven. Yeah. We think is, when I enter God's rest, I don't work anymore. That's the exact opposite of true. That's human. You just got to burn that That's out of your brain. That's the black sun. You know who that is? Can I, I want to drop a name right now. All That's right. Belphegor, the demon principality of it's the black sun. Yeah, and so... Uh, he's been kicked out of the tree of Isaiah. 
uh, Yetzira of Yetzira and Berea of Yetzira. And uh, so, as we're pushing back the enemy lines and advancing our front lines, th those things are at play. We have to understand, even if we, let's say, so, for example, here's something I think um, most of our, our warriors who are really going for it, you can understand this. I don't care if anybody else gets it. You guys, this is for you. This is for our, our warriors. As you're going toward uh, Tiferet of that first tree of Asaya, understand that even though Belphegor is kicked out of there, you're not even going to have to deal with him like we had to deal with, you know, going through this thing. But why is there an intensity there of the Black Sun? You have to understand the fallen human nature, that DNA, your sapphire stone, that's got to be circumcised. That's the exact image bearing of an animal. Birds, beasts, and reptiles, it's the image bearing of sloth. That's Belphegor. And I know you know this probably because you've been through the class, but we're reminding you so that you can be conscious of it. When slothful things start to kind of creep around, you're going like, I'm going for the sun. An ever-increasing subtlety and craftiness, that nature... Maybe you're surrounded by familiars. It doesn't have to be, you know, you're, you're not going to, right now, you're not going to face off with those pr cosmic principalities unless you actually come to the front lines, which is a little ways, you know, there's a couple of trees ahead of you to even have Keep to deal with anything. Eating the mana and strengthening your You're spirit. mainly dealing with, um, we've got some bogeys here and there that come down around, but nothing, none of the major, the big principalities, they keep moving back as we advance the front line. But you're mainly dealing with your own familiars and your um, and your DNA, uh, things that you've served or things that you might have. All you still have altars because I know you're not in the sun yet. That hasn't burned off of you yet. Keep consecrating yourself. Whatever you have to pray, whatever you have to give yourself the structure and the guidelines. I used all those things. I used um, olive oil and praying, like even up to the fifth interior mansion. That actually, I got, my life got saved by, it was a, a text message from Shadrach and a bottle of Kirkland olive oil. Hallelujah. <laughs> they're like, oh my God, they're trying to kill me and give me a heart attack. There's a black lightning seraphim in the house right now. And I'm not trying to die right now because I would like, I really want to see this through all the way. I really do. And I remember, you know, Bob Jones, his thing was like, I didn't know they could kill me. You know, we have, like, oh, I'm just going to decree. Here's the thing. It's all great in your make-believe and what you think. But when you're in actual confrontation with something that is higher than you, it's going to be either God and he does it, or, you know, we all have weaknesses. They might have the authority to take you out at that level. So I'm asking for backup at this time, right? It's the middle of the night. I, I don't know anybody who's awake right now except for like Africa. First thing comes to mind is Shadrach. I text him, the situation, this is going down right now. So of course the Holy Spirit had him grab his phone and he told me what to do. I pray this prayer. I grab that dusty bottle of Kirkland olive oil and spam. Put that in there, shoop thing waxed it whacked with the anointing and the prayer with that two in agreement bam the thing and it broke the light socket it went it shot up and it shoo, broke this like 10-year warranty led light just zap 
and it started flickering and went out on its way out and I was like all right it's gone I'm still alive <laughs> we're good everything's fine everything's great we're just gonna sit down put my hand on my belly pray and worship and guess what we're gonna put the Bible on feed 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 them all right clearly we're not stronger than that thing that just almost killed me right now or tried to kill me so I got to get bigger than that thing but until you are you have to stick together you got to look out for each other don't isolate it's good to have time alone with God but we are at war the spirit took me into a vision and he showed me you guys on the apostleship and he said that he showed me the most important thing that you guys can be doing right now is having unity and he showed me when you all hold your shields up right your shields in your left hand your sword in your right hand they were like golden shields that he was releasing and when all of you stood together and you held up your shields even these giant cosmic monsters could not break that rank even for people who weren't even like at the moon level not even the sun you know whatever if you're in competition and striving but who's gonna get where first and whatnot you're missing the whole point you're probably gonna get picked off at some point unity hold your position hold your rank hold up the shield because whatever little thing that you have an offense or an irritation with someone or something there is a much bigger cosmic battle going on than that little thing and it might seem big to you but this is something that surprised me as you go up the sapphire stones those emotions that we think are so important i feel so hurt i feel this they're actually not that important you can actually take all that of oh, oh you know i just what about oh you know and you can just take it and put it in your belly and give it to the father and that cosmic portal to the cosmic trash can is actually inside your belly Burn your human feelings until yeah. your feelings are the holy spirit as a person yeah. and then you be spirit-led yep because if your feelings are in the way still and not burnt up you'll get in the way of being spirit-led continuously you don't want to do that while there's a giant cosmic monster trying to kill everyone on the boat. Do you, do you see what I'm trying to say here? God's always trying to provoke bigger, to burn you as a yeah. greater burnt offering and animal sacrifice for more of him and less of you. That's why he allows you to have these battles with enemies just to show you where you're at. Mm -hmm. And he's not always going to let it happen all the time. but. There is a, a method to the madness of allowing you to see where you're at. Just like in King David's day, King David would lose battles. He didn't win every battle. He didn't win every war. Sometimes he'd lose. And then he'd go to God, find out why, and grow and repent. So will you thousands of times. Thousands of times. And you just realize through failures in your humanity where divinity needs to grow and you make yourself available through failure, through defeat of the human being as dust and dirt of the earth, God, who is not dust and dirt, gets formed in you more. Amen. But the human being is great fertilizer, just like the pitch of the ark.
So your body is the ark of the container of the eternal covenant, which is the throne of the Lamb and the throne of the Father in the temple, in the human body. Okay? The issue is now the human body just totally burnt out from the light of the ark within to be the pitch of the outside, just the container of his glory. That's how Jesus Christ is coming back through vessels that are likened unto Noah's Ark, the second coming, be like the days of Noah. Mm, that's so so good. where's the human nature involved there? The black pitch of the outside that contained all the precious things that God was preserving on the inside, representing the kingdom of heaven within you. Amen. So you learn to use the human body as a temple of God. And you can give him the glory. God inside minded, but you don't take the glory as personally divine. You begin to know his throne with reverence and the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord's beginning of wisdom. We have fear of the Lord on the outside, that's external discipline, that's religion. Mm-hmm. Fear of the Lord on the inside is he's really in there. Mm-hmm. It's not just a teaching, now it's a reality, and I'm experiencing it. God is in me. And I can yield and serve him and hear his voice. Out of my belly flows rivers of who? John 7, 38, Jesus Christ told you. God, almighty God, maker of heaven and earth, flows out of the bellies, or the ancient middle age uh, term matrix, out of your matrixes, which is bellies in middle age English, out of your matrixes flows rivers, plural, 13 rivers of glory to heal all the dimensions of this world. Amen. So you'll face all the stuff that's unhealed in you and you'll yield to more of Him and God is called the rivers of the Holy Spirit. Amen. The more you wash the river of the Holy Spirit yourself, the more it'll wash your surroundings. The more it'll clean your rooms, it'll clean your houses, mm, so it'll nice. clean your cities and your blocks. Not just physically, but that will happen automatically of anyone who grows it'll just start to be like heaven on earth and everything in heaven is like totally clean and in order and beautiful and glorious and shining bright but you're gonna have to do that in the dark places of your heart that are undealt with by Torah which punishes and kills animals for sins why because the sinful animal is in you and God uses a sword to divide it from the divine nature also in you. So the Word of God, Hebrews 4.12, divides us under soul from spirit or human from divine. Not your spirit, God inside your spirit. Christ in you. What part of you? Spirit part of you. Christ, Almighty God in you. Colossians 1.27, it is written. Now from that place... You grow in the reverential fear of the Lord before your eyes. What's before your eyes? Behind them. Inside them. Within them. Then your vision will grow as you grow in the glow. Then you get in the river flow of learning how to constantly hear and obey, which is enjoying God. None of it's burdensome. None of it's weary. He says religion's weary. My way is easy and light. It's fun to serve God in the river. 
It's fun to develop obedience to the throne. It's actually the greatest pleasure of all time. Most obedient person who ever lived. Jesus of Nazareth. What is written about him? At my right hand pleasures forevermore. Which means Jesus has more fun than anyone who's ever lived for eternity. Mm -hmm. If you want a share in that, learn how to have fun obeying God. And it won't be fun as some of your sins die, so just get that rebellion burden out of you. Half of you have so much sin in you that you can't even understand the things of God as fun. Because you've never been in His presence where there's fullness of joy. And you haven't allowed His presence to be like fire upon your sin or to circumcise your heart. So that's going to be painful when the human nature comes off your spirit. Just rip the band-aid off. But you'll find it's fun in the spirit. Your spirit man yeah. will rejoice. And your soul will later on be a partaker. Later on, it develops a harvest of righteousness. Yep. No one likes discipline while it's happening, but later right. on, which means it'll infuse your soul with divine pleasure. Literally, I hope that you guys laid hold of what Brandon just said to you. This is so critical for you because we are coming out of such great darkness and deception about what is the awe and fear of God, what is the worship of God, and this is this is everything here. That sacrifice of that animal soul. We've talked about, well, what about all my hours of worship? I have a little something here from our diary. Okay, this is in the NASB 1995 version. Let me boast before God. Let me boast before God. He is so fun. Okay, talking about fun with God. <laughs> I have had some of the most amazing fun experiences. I mean, there's just nothing in any kind of darkness that could even hold a candle to this light, to this this fun. I mean, imagine better than any video game, better than any movie, better than anything on Netflix. An interactive, realistic, multimedia vision where you're conscious with the Holy Ghost and he's showing, he was using stuff like of my favorite things from my childhood characters to like explain mysteries and it was changing and it had a personal note to me on it and I could I could feel him and hear it we were doing it together and like I mean and the dolphins and the waters and the stars and the inheritances of all the brothers and sisters that I'm fighting for your inheritance fighting in the cosmos for your inheritance that's what we're doing and and all these amazing cool things it's just like totally immersive like you're really there like it's just you are there you know but it, it's like it it was thrilling absolutely thrilling i mean it's just i i can't even stop thinking about it every day i just i oh, lord that has the holy spirit as the holy ghost that is the most fun i have ever had in my entire life thank you that i mean that was amazing and you did this and and I'm still wondering about what was that? And so then I go and I check to look up and see, man, what did that mean? Search into the Bible and it opens up all these things and it opens up Torah and it opens up hidden things. You just, oh, it's amazing. It's worth everything, it really is. NASB, but this is important because what Brandon said, animal sacrifice. This is what you need. Listen to this. NASB 1995. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a living and holy sacrifice. Your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is, listen to this, your spiritual service of worship. What's the worship service? 
going to the worship service? No, you're not. Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, not by the will of self, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice, the animal sacrifice, acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. I tell you what, the church has not known what worship is. So why in all this time of charismatic... You can't even tell them to not drink alcohol, they freak out and you... Let alone present your body as a burnt offering. Right. <laughs> so, why, in all this time of charismatic worship services, has no one found the pathway? Because your spiritual service of worship is literally to present your body as a living and holy sacrifice. Again. Not your lame animal sacrifice. Not a blind, morally depraved animal sacrifice. Right? Not Balaam's sexually abused donkey. We're not going to go there tonight. Not the worst of what you have to offer as a garbage heap on the altar of sacrifice. Which would be an abomination that causes desolation. Sacrifices of impurity that causes uncleanness. But a body presented as a holy sacrifice. That's true priesthood. True worship. Without your body as a living, not dead, and holy sacrifice. Without that, you have never actually worshipped God in your entire life. Not in spirit and not in truth. So when you make yourself defiled and you offer defiled sacrifices, which spirit or which God are you invoking? Sacrifice is to invoke a God. The only way the God yad Hey vav Hey has ever, in the history of all Christian and Jewish history, answered to a sacrifice was a pure and holy sacrifice. Mm. But what do we see with the prophets of Baal or with the red sorceries of Balaam? They defile themselves. They understand because like Balaam, he was taken to the mountains where Uzzah and Azael were chained and imprisoned. I think it was like a Moab king or something like that. They showed him, you know, where it was. It was kind of like I read the that demonic today in numbers. The demonic initiation. Oh yeah, we were talking about that today too. <laughs> the Holy Ghost. We were they, we were talking. Balaam built seven altars and mm-hmm. sacrificed a bull and a ram on each altar. To the seven. That's the sevenfold the seven demons on the seven mountains. That's called the sevenfold abomination Antichrist spirit. It is the spirit of Satan. Uh, in this world that perverts all things. It's a counterfeit of the sevenfold Holy Spirit. Well, what did he say? No divination works against Israel. That's right. Because they were clothed in the sun. Revelation 12, 1. Right. Kingship is the clothing of the sun. <laughs> so, your holy sacrifice <laughs> for the living God. What is it that Balaam or any wicked prophet, prophets of Baal, 
they defile themselves purposely. And they do these rituals while defiled in order to invoke higher and higher levels of demons, fallen angels, and those principalities in the higher places, the demon gods, until they reach and they touch that serpent, that celestial, starry serpent. And this is recorded by Jewish sages. They recorded all these things. So the heights of red magic, not even, you know, Balaam, he surpassed black and white magic and got into red magic. When you are worshiping some god, you're calling it God, you're calling it Jesus. There are many Jesuses, many so-called Holy Spirits going about pretending to be who they're not. If you defile yourself, and you're engaging in some kind of worship, you know. Altars, sacrifice, gods. Oh yeah. You are going through Balaam's ritual, but you're not as good at it. Without the intention there, then then you have to understand. Look at look at another aspect here. Why is it that the false humility? of charismatic abominations. This stuff is getting wrestled right now. Yeah, you like that? Mm. Ooh, yeah, we like it. Thank you, Lord. In their false humility, they call themselves the donkeys of Jesus. Mm. That yep. image-bearing, do you know what image-bearing that is? It's not the donkey Jesus rode in. It is recorded in Jewish history that Balaam, along with s splitting skulls of snakes and things like that, and in blood and you know red magic he would practice bestiality and have sexual relations with his donkey because he had to defile himself in order to perform the ritual so which is intimacy with the flesh so bestiality mark beast of the bestiality mark of the bestiality ministries and what priest or false prophet, as they travel out of body and they roam around finding, who are they looking to defile? Donkeys, people in the flesh. A lot of times they use Christians. Demons defile Christians. How many times have we seen it? Sexually, they rape them in their sleep. Most. Most. If you're in the sand, 100% of the time. And it's not just demons. There are sorcerers on levels of Balaam, but in modern day, they are using you as Christians to defile themselves sexually so that they can continue their rituals while you're being used of Satan to invoke the demonic. But then wondering, oh, why? Oh, pray for me. What? What's going on? Why does... I can't... I'm having bad dreams. When you defile yourself during the day, and you go to sleep at night, there's an ascension that happens when you go to bed at night. And if you... That's why... Do not let the sun go down on your anger. 
This is just the cosmic realities of the world that we live in right now. You cling to Christ. <laughs> cling to him. If you've got any sin, confess it. If you have any unforgiveness or anger, confess it. <laughs> Ooh, man. This is close to the Father's heart because he wants his children to be clean. Ooh, oh, man. He wants his children to be clean. And he's not blaming and anger. A lot of this is an ignorance, but it's still sin. So what do you do? Cling to Christ within your spirit, those sapphire stones, his name. And as you rise, quickly forgive, quickly repent, stay washed. Be a part of the priesthood, bring the animal sacrifice. Your worship by bringing that daily sacrifice of your human nature and you cling to Christ and as you go up the nature changes whenever you hit Keter of one of those trees the holy tree of, of righteousness of life that's the engraving he gives you the engraving another engraving a new stone with a new name on it like Brandon was saying his name written on your forehead ever increasing glory the tetragram more of his name continuously inscribed throughout your whole spirit. And that engraving continually emanates beautiful glory. <laughs> Cleansing the Holy conscience light. to be crystal clear and sparkling. And that's, you're going to stay clean. So on your way up, I want to encourage someone today. Maybe there's an offense that you have against someone or you're always looking in the past Oh, they hurt me, they did me wrong, they did this, they did that. And that's true. Those things happen to you. But what the Lord is saying today is those things that you keep looking back to the hurts and the offenses is what's keeping that poison in your system. And that's what's keeping that cosmic door closed to you. You gotta let it go. I know they hurt you, they did you wrong. Maybe pain like most people can't imagine. But if you don't choose to let go and let God be your vindicator, God, he can handle that. He can, he knows how, as you humble yourself to him, to lift you up at your appointed time. But for now, you grow in secret. Let that thing go. Let, let it go. Just let it go right now. Let it go. It's not worth being defiled and forfeiting your destiny over the bitterness of what happened to you. I understand hurt, I understand pain. I understand betrayal and unforgiveness in the bitter waters. No more. Let Christ be in those waters of your soul and make it sweet again. What happened to you? You used to be so on fire for God. You were. He could tell you anything and you would say yes. You would let anything just run off your shoulders like, like the water off a duck's back, they'd say, right? But what happened? They, they found a weak spot. It's time to let it go. And I'm just going to decree this over you right now, the sound of my voice. 
that thing is over and done, forgiven, and we just give it to you, Lord, right now within our spirit. That these precious ones will never be the same again. Fresh on fire for you. Filled with fresh oil. And all those things the enemy stole from you. Because of bitterness, because of wounds. You're going to forgive and let go so quickly. It's nothing is going to phase you anymore. You're going to get that open and wheel spinning and you're going to go so high you're going to transfigure in the sun of righteousness and lay hold of the wheels of government within 12 gemstones full operation and they will never be able to hurt you like that again because you are going to be unoffendable in your generation without sin and without offense as it is written in Jesus name Amen. Amen. Many people have backslidden, and 100% evidence that they are backslidden is they no longer bring sacrifice. They no longer come to the altar. They stop giving offerings. They stop eating the manna. They stop walking with God. And it's a lot of people, guys. It's a lot. It's surprising to me how many have faded away this year already. And I know God's going to draw you back. As it is written, I have loved you with an everlasting love, declares the Lord. And by my love have I drawn you. Out of bitter waters into sweet waters, out of sin into holiness, out of rebellion and witchcraft and lust into purity and holiness and glory. And come back to God and bring a sacrifice, a repentance offering. And sacrifice with your heart. No one has ever walked with God and not been a cheerful giver. In Jesus' name, raise up those who love the sacrifice, whether it be daily or weekly or monthly, but walk with Him and be consistent in bringing your financial sacrificial offerings to His throne. As God, you are my God, and I sacrifice to you out of the plenty and out of the increase and out of the finances and out of the wealth or even some of you out of the poverty of your house, that he may establish with you a covenant to make wealth in a greater sacrifice, to go from doves to whole bull offerings, which is from glory to glory in your sacrificial financial altars in the name of Jesus Christ. Click the links in the description. Give God an offering, a cheerful repentance offering. I'm changing my heart. I'm going to serve Him more on fire with all my spirit, soul, mind, and strength. I will bring a sweet sacrifice to Him, an aroma pleasing into His nostrils. If you study the scriptures, Acts chapter 10, it was through sacrificial financial offering of Cornelius that brought the angels and the apostles and salvation and the baptism of the Holy Spirit to Cornelius's house. Some of you watching have wondered, can I even serve God without the baptism of the Holy Spirit? I know the people saying that have never even brought an offering into Red Letter Ministries, yet they watch this broadcast all the time. Remember Cornelius in Acts 10. It was through his financial offerings 
that brought the angels, the apostles, and the Holy Spirit. It is written, become cheerful givers, become sacrificers, give God the increase of your finances, honor Him in finances and sacrificial offerings, and God will show up in your house mightily according to the Word of God. In Jesus' name, we'll see you guys tomorrow. God.